Good morning. What an incredible testimony. Uh, and what a, what a marvelous reminder that our Heavenly Father is still at work transforming lives, and you and I get to be a part of that as we faithfully do what He has called us to do, to be His witnesses here in our Jerusalem, in our Judea and Samaria, and to even to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are talking about walking with God on the ragged edge of risk. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let me invite you to open them to Luke, the fifth chapter. Luke chapter 5. I want to read this text this morning, the first 11 verses. And so if you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning for the opportunity to open your word together. And we pray now in these moments that you would give us spiritual eyes to see and ears to hear your message for your people. May this written word become now a living word for us as your Holy Spirit moves in our midst and teaches us. And Lord, because of what you do in these moments. May we not leave this place this morning the same people as those we were when we came in. Do a great work in us today, Father. May it begin in me. It's the prayer that I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This morning, I want to talk to you about going deeper with Jesus. No matter how you may characterize your walk with Christ this morning, I want to challenge you to go deeper with Him than you have ever gone before. I want to challenge you to take the risk of going into the deep places with Christ. To be wholly discontent with hanging out in the shallows of spirituality. But rather launching out into some places with Christ that you have never been before. That's what this story is telling us this morning as we come to look at it in this message entitled, The Risk of Going Deeper. Now, we've read the story. It's an incredible one. It's one that probably most of us are familiar with, but I'm not sure we've really understood the depth, the significance of what God's Word is trying to say to us this morning. So I want to ask you to just dial in this morning with me as we move quickly through this passage and see what it has to say to us about our own walk with Christ this morning. There's an issue here that we need to deal with when we talk about going deeper with Jesus. And it's an issue that we need to get out of the chute before we do anything else. And I can, I can sum it up this way. This is the issue with going deeper with Christ. There's a question that I need to answer and you need to answer, and it is this one. Who is best qualified to run my life? Who is best qualified to direct my life, control my life, be in charge of my life? Is it me? Or is it truly God? Have I truly given him that depth of control where he absolutely has the authority to run, to control, to direct every single area of my life? That's the issue here that's presented to us in Luke, the fifth chapter. Now, the scene opens here. We we know the story with Jesus teaching a group of people by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, that's just another name for the Sea of Galilee, a name we're probably more familiar with. Our English translations of these verses, these first verses in particular, don't make as clear what the Greek text makes clear, and that is that Jesus had been standing here and he had been teaching the people for some length of time. I I try to imagine he's standing by the lake, the, the people pressing in on him, perhaps even pushing him back a little bit towards the water's edge. It wasn't the most conducive situation in which to teach, and it didn't really lend itself to the people hearing very well. So Jesus being pressed back toward the water's edge, he looks over and he sees a couple of fishing boats there, and he sees the fishermen who own those boats out on the shore. They're cleaning their nets from a night's fishing. Jesus goes up to one of them, Simon Peter, And I want you to notice he asked him to push out just a little ways from shore. Out into the shallow area right off of the shore. And he asked if he could use Peter's boat as sort of a teaching platform. 
Peter said, well, sure, that's fine with me. So Jesus gets into the boat. Peter pushes out just a little way from shore. And Jesus continues his teaching ministry there from the boat. Now, there's nothing too unusual about this. Jesus was a teacher, right? The people called him rabbi. He was a teacher. People recognized that his teachings were from God. Even Peter knew this, so he was more than willing to take his boat out a little ways from shore in order to help Jesus fulfill his role as a great teacher of spiritual things. So this wasn't unusual, what Peter is doing. He was glad to push out a little bit into the, into the shallow water because he recognized Jesus was a teacher. This would help Jesus teach. He could speak to more people that way. In fact, the water, if you've ever been out on a lake, you know how sound carries. The water would sort of serve as an amplifier, a, a megaphone of sorts to enable the people to hear Jesus' words better. Peter was glad to do that. Yeah, I'll go out into the shallow water, Jesus. I'll, I'll, help, you. I'll help you in your role as a teacher. So this was not unusual. What was unusual, however, was when Jesus finished teaching the people about spiritual things, he began to try to teach Simon Peter about fishing. Now you see that in verse 4 where Jesus says to Simon, now you've been here in the shallow water, we've, we've done our teaching, now I want you to put out into the deep water and I want you to let down your nets for a catch. Now, this is significant. Please don't miss this. Jesus had been talking about God. That was no problem. He was a recognized authority on that subject. But all of a sudden, Jesus decides to start talking about fishing. And that began to raise some eyebrows. That caused people to begin to think, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because there were some real problems with what Jesus was telling Simon Peter to do. I want to go through some of these problems with you because you need to understand this. These are, these are some problems with Jesus' instructions about fishing. First of all, I want you to see that there was a credibility problem here. There was a credibility problem with what Jesus had to say because Jesus was not a fisherman. He was a teacher. Again, verse 1 of Luke 5 says the people were crowding around Jesus listening to the Word of God. That's what people recognized Jesus' role was. He was a teacher. He wasn't a fisherman. Peter, on the other hand, was what? <laughs> he was a professional fisherman. He knew fishing. He had grown up fishing. He made his living fishing. And here was Jesus, who for all we know, had never fished a single day in his life, and he was going to try to tell Simon Peter how to catch fish. Can I ask you a question? 
Have you ever had anybody or somebody who doesn't do what you do try to tell you how to do it? Irritating, isn't it? I mean, really, here's someone who's never been a parent, but they can tell you all about how to raise your kids. Or here's somebody who's an expert on how you can do your job better. Uh, by the way, we in ministry get this kind of advice all the time, can I say? Or here's somebody who's going through something you've never gone through, but man, they just got, they, yeah, they just got it figured out, just exactly what you need to do. I'm not, don't you just hate that? Right? No fun. Well, that's what's happening here. You have got a non-fisherman, Jesus, telling a professional fisherman, Simon Peter, how to catch fish. So there is a real credibility problem here, number one. Number two, there is a logic problem. There is a logic problem because the advice Jesus gave Peter about fishing didn't make sense. It contradicted what any smart, experienced fisherman would do if he wanted to catch fish. Jesus said, I want you to put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Now, any fisherman who knew anything knew you didn't do that if you wanted to catch fish on the Sea of Galilee. The place to catch fish is along the points and the drop-offs in those areas, along the shallower areas along the, along the shore, because that's where the large schools of fish hang out. That was true today. It was especially true on the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus' advice to Peter contradicted Peter's own experience, and what he knew, everybody else knew, was the tried and true, proven, backed up by years of experience, way to catch fish. Are you with me? All right, so this was crazy. So there's a logic problem. It's just, just not the way you caught fish. Plus, it was the middle of the day by this time, and that's not a great time to catch fish if any of you are fishermen. You go in the early morning or you go in the evening. In fact, that's where, that's what Simon Peter and his friends have been doing. They've been fishing in the evening. They've been fishing all night. So, so there's this logic problem here. But number three, there was a circumstantial problem. On this particular day, the fish were not biting. Look at what Peter said in verse 5. He said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Any, any, any fishermen in here? Anybody like to fish? Okay, I do. I like to fish every chance I get. I want to ask you a question. What happens when the fish aren't biting? I don't know about your experience, but for me, when the fish aren't biting, the fish just aren't biting. Uh, you can change your bait. You can move the boat. 
Now, you, can, you, can, you can try everything, but if the fish aren't biting, they aren't biting, you might as well just go on home. And that's what Peter and his friends have been doing. We have fished all night long, Jesus. The fish ain't biting. It's no use. So I want you to follow this. Here's Jesus, a teacher, telling a professional fisherman how to catch fish by giving him bad advice on a day when even the experts had come home empty-handed. So what in the world was Jesus trying to do? Here's what he's trying to do. He was trying to get Simon, Peter, and those first disciples, and he's trying to get you and me to deal with and settle this basic issue in life. Who's best qualified to run your life? Who's best qualified to control your actions, direct your steps, determine where you go in life? Is it you? Or is it Christ? You see, it may not have looked like it. And it may not have sounded like it. But nobody was more qualified on the subject of catching fish than Jesus. Peter may have had a lot of experience at it. I don't know, maybe he graduated the top of his class from fisherman's school. But I can tell you something from this text. He still didn't know fishing like Jesus knew fishing. I want you to listen to me this morning. There is nobody, nobody, who is better qualified to deal with whatever it is you're dealing with than Jesus. There is nobody who knows better how to solve your problem, how to make you successful at whatever it is you're doing. Nobody knows better what you need or what you need to do or where you need to turn better than Jesus. But I want to tell you what a lot of us have done. A lot of us have taken Jesus and consciously or unconsciously now, but we've done it. We've put him in this box labeled spiritual things. And as long as we're dealing with spiritual things here, okay, and about spiritual things... For most people, I'm talking about God, church, salvation, heaven. As long as we're dealing with those kinds of things, and we pull Jesus out and we say, hey, he's got the answers. He's the only way. We got to follow him. But when we move outside of that box, when we start talking about uh, social life or politics or our work or our 
home or our finances or our relationships. We're not nearly so ready to listen to what Jesus had to say because we think we've all got the answers. And we start saying things like, well, (laughs) I mean, Jesus wouldn't really want me to do that. That couldn't possibly work in my situation. The Lord doesn't really expect me to do this. I mean, he couldn't mean that. See, that that was Peter's reaction in verse 5. I know fishing, Jesus. I've been fishing all night. The fish aren't biting. What's more, anybody knows you don't fish in the deep water on this lake. What you're telling me, Jesus, defies reason. It contradicts logic. It goes against all my experience. Jesus, I know fishing. And Jesus said, Peter, I'm going to show you that you don't know anything about fishing. And when I show you that you don't know anything about fishing, then maybe you'll be willing to say you don't really know anything about living and you'll give me control of your life. This morning, my friend, if you're serious about following Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about playing the church game. I'm not talking about having all the spiritual answers to all the spiritual questions. I'm talking about if you really want to sign on with Jesus, it's going to take a radical reorientation of the way you look at life, and it means making Jesus Christ the expert on everything. Everything. It means you don't just look to Him for the answers on Sunday. You go to Him first on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. You make Him the expert on everything. See, this is an issue we've got to settle. Well, we're not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to go anywhere. You're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to go anywhere as a congregation, as a church, until we settle this basic issue that we're going to give Jesus Christ absolute, unquestioned, 100%, unhindered, unqualified control of every area of our lives. That's the issue. Now, can I tell you something this morning you're not getting mad at me? church on Sunday morning in church, it's very easy to say, Jesus runs my life. Now, you may not mean that, but it's easy to say it here. It's easy to say it here. So we got to move beyond here. We've got to move to this struggle because there is one. Even if we say it here, Jesus, I give you control of my life this morning, lock, stock, and barrel. You get to run my life, every area of it. There's a struggle that you're going to face, and I'm going to face every one of us. And there's a question that goes with this struggle as well, and here it is. Will I live by faith, or will I live by 
feeling. In other words, when there seems to be a circumstantial problem with what Jesus has to say, or a logic problem, or a credibility problem, Am I going to step out in faith? Am I going to do what I know Jesus wants and expects me to do, what the Word of God instructs me to do? Or am I going to fall back and just do what's comfortable? Just do what's logical? Just do what I think I ought to do, what I want to do, what I feel like doing. See, this is a struggle every single one of us faces every single day out there. When the commands of Christ and when the precepts of the Word of God run headlong and counter to the culture, to what's popular, to the prevailing winds of the opinion of the day, counter to what your friends might tell you, counter to what your family might tell you. Are you going to live by faith even, even if you can't see how it's going to, how it's going to turn out? Or are you going to fall back on your feelings, your emotions, your experience? Let me show you a couple of verses here. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. We could spend a whole message on each of these verses. Hebrews 11.6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We live by faith, not by what we see. This is not a peripheral issue, church. This is the very heart of the gospel. It's the very heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We've got to learn to live by faith in what Christ says and what God's Word has to say and not by our feelings, not by what's comfortable, not what, by what experience tells us, not by what other people tell us. So how did this work out in Peter's experience? Well, look at verse 5 here. I want to show you something. This is, this is I love this verse. Jesus said, Peter, you've been here in the shallows. You know, this was okay. I... I'm a teacher. You've, you've allowed me to teach about God. Now I want you to push out into the deep. I want you to go somewhere you've never gone before to do this thing. And, and, and I want you to let down your nets for a catch. Now I want you to look at what Peter says here in verse 5. Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Lord, we've tried it all. Man, we, we have put all of our skills to work here, Jesus. We've done everything that's ever been done to be successful in catching fish on this lake, and it hasn't worked. But, would you please not miss that little three-letter word? There is no more important word in all of Scripture. Peter says, nothing's worked, Jesus, but because you say so, just because you say so, Master, he acknowledged Jesus as his Master, Jesus, he acknowledged Jesus' right to run his life, to control his life, every aspect of it, even those things that didn't make sense to him. Because you say so, I'm going to do it. And the reason, the only reason, is because you say so. 
This is faith, church, and I, I want you to understand, this is how we are supposed to live our lives every single day in every single situation and circumstance that we find ourselves in. We are to obey Christ. We are to do what He tells us to do, what His Word tells us to do, what His Holy Spirit leads us to do, even when it doesn't seem logical, even when it's not comfortable, even when it is risky. Everybody was watching this, by the way. Those folks on shore hadn't suddenly left. They were watching all of this. To them, it looked like Peter and his friends were idiots to do what Jesus was telling them to do. But just because Jesus said it, they did it. Do you know what the opposite of faith is, ultimately? The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is disobedience. See, if Jesus tells you to do something, you may have all kinds of doubts about it. You may have all kinds of fears about it. The question is, will you do it anyway? (laughs) In spite of your fears, in spite of your doubts. If you look at Peter's words, I believe he had all kinds of doubts. Lord, we've been at this all night long. We hadn't caught anything. Yeah, Peter had doubts. But he obeyed. Jesus, just because you're telling me to do it, I'm going to do it. Now let me tell you what I think some of us would have done. And you see if you agree, okay? Here's what I think some of us would have done. We'd have said, okay, Jesus, we hear what you say, but, but you know, man, we've been at this all night. We've been cleaning our... Look, our nets are here. We've already cleaned them. You're you're wanting us to go back out there, throw them out again, get them all dirty uh, over something we're not sure is worth it. So here's what what we're going to do. Jesus, I got a fishing pole right here. I got a fishing pole right here. So so, so I'm going to, I'm just going to throw out a line here from this one pole now. I'm going to throw that line out. You just let one of them fish bite that hook. You just let me see one of them fish bite out here where nothing's been biting. And if you'll do that, if you'll, you'll let us see that it works, then okay, yeah, we'll throw the nets out. Isn't that what we want to do a lot of times? I think so. We want Jesus to prove to us up front that his way's going to work, that his way's right, that his way's worth it. We want, us to show, he want him to show us in advance that this is going to turn out fine, but church, that's not faith. Faith says, Lord, we may not be able to see it. We may not be able to understand it. Everybody else may think we're a fool for doing it, but because you say so, Lord, I'm going to do it. So the, here, here, here's the struggle. You've got it. I've got it. You got to determine this morning if you're going to if you're going to step out in faith and do what it is Jesus 
you know He's calling you to do, you know God's Word's calling you to do, live the way you know He's asking you to live, or whether you're going to fall back again on your feelings and what's comfortable and predictable, too risky to take that step. No. Now this leads me to the third thing I want to show you, and this is, this is the potential. If you launch out into those deep places with Jesus, I, I, I want you to see this potential for your life and my life. And the question that goes along with this is, do I really want my life to be a vehicle for God's glory? Do I really want my life to be a vehicle for God's glory? I want to share something with you this morning. You've heard it a gazillion times. I but I think we need to keep saying it. We need to keep reminding ourselves of it. Now, if you're not a believer here this morning, let me, let me just say a word to you. If you're not a Christ follower, if you've never really accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never given your life wholly over to Him, I'm going to tell you that what I'm fixing to say is not going to make one bit of sense to you. It's going to be hard for you to grasp. It's hard for a lot of Christians to grasp. But if you are a Christ follower, my friend, you have got to understand this. Life is not about you. I mean, how many times do we have to say this? Over and over and over again, we've heard it. Life is not about you. It's not about life working out the way you want it to work out. It's not about being happy. Can we get that out of our mind for once? Oh, I just want to be happy. Life is not about being happy. It's not about being comfortable. Life is about letting God take your life and use it however He wants to use it so that it becomes a vehicle for His glory. It is about God demonstrating His majesty, His magnificence, His power, His awesomeness, His reality through you. You're just the vessel. You're just the vehicle. We're not driving the train. Now, we see that in verses 5 and 6, but I want you to look at the, at the, at the first five words here of Luke chapter 5 when we talk about potential. <laughs> It says, when they had done so. You ought to underline that. When they had done so. See, not when they had talked about it, not when they had thought through it, not when they would gotten counseling about it, not after they would meditated on it or slept on it or even prayed about it. When they had done it. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Do you know why so many of us have never seen what Peter saw? It's because we've never done what Peter did. He threw out his nets in spite of his fears. He obeyed in spite of his doubts, in spite of his questions. And when he did, wham, fish. <laughs> Mega fish, mucho fish, right? How much fish? Verse 6, so much.
so many fish, it says, that their nets began to break. Do you know how many fish it takes to break a professional fisherman's net? I mean, those nets are designed to handle large quantities of fish. This means Peter had a catch that exceeded anything he had ever experienced before. Fact is, verse 7, there were so many fish, he had to signal his friends in the other boat to come over and help them, and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, okay, preacher, yeah, 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 but you know, that that was when Jesus was on earth, okay? That's, that's, when, that's when he performed these miracles. Those kind of things don't happen today. No, 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 no. Have you ever read Ephesians 3.20? Now, glory to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or ever dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. So that, that's the potential. Many of us have never seen it. We've never seen that kind of superabundance in our own lives. We've never experienced that kind of superabundance in our church because we just simply haven't been willing to do what Peter did. We haven't been willing to step out in faith. We haven't been willing to take the risk. We haven't been willing to move out of the shallow and into the deep of relationship with Jesus Christ. But I tell you, this is what Jesus wants to do. This, this is the common result, not the uncommon. This is the common result. This is what Jesus wants to do if his people would just sell out to him. When Jesus can get his people to obey, he can do the miraculous. When he can get you and me to really live by faith, he can do more than, than, than we could ever imagine. So, last point. Let's talk about the surrender of going deeper. And the question here is, am I really willing to give Jesus this morning everything? Everything. Man, we all, we all want to hold back something. I'm asking you this morning, would you let go of everything? Would you give him everything this morning? So, Peter saw what Jesus did. He saw this incredible catch of fish. And we read here that when Peter saw it, he, he fell on his face before Jesus and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm, I'm a sinful man. Why did he say that? Why did he say, I'm a sinful man? Because I think Peter realized for the first time in that moment how wrong he had been to even raise the issue that he'd been fishing all night. <laughs> he realized how foolish it was to think he knew something about fishing, that he could somehow give Jesus advice. I want you to know that Simon Peter was a changed man after this. Before this, if you had asked Peter, what his life was like, he would have said, oh, my life's fine, everything's good, I got a good job, live in a nice town, got, got good friends, got it all together. But then Jesus came. And Jesus challenged that togetherness and said, go out into the deep 
And Peter threw out his nets. And he said, oh my God. I just thought I had it all together. I just thought I knew something. I just thought I had everything figured out. And when Peter finally realized how little he knew and just how much he'd been missing out on, verse 11 says he and his companions pulled their boats up on shore, left their boats, left their nets, left this tremendous catch of fish. They left everything, verse 11 says. Everything. And followed Jesus. Why? <laughs> because they knew they weren't dealing with an ordinary man. And they knew they had the opportunity now to actually walk in the supernatural. And I can tell you, my friend, when you come to understand that, your life will never be the same. Never be the same. So where are you this morning? Just a little ways out from shore, where you've always been? Sitting in church, listening to Jesus? Are you willing this morning to really push out? Do something you've never done before. Take a risk. Give Jesus control of absolutely everything. He demands nothing less. Whoever would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Give up everything. Then you can follow me. Then you can live in the miraculous. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you this morning for this time. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your message. I pray now that you'll move in the hearts and the lives of your people. And if there are decisions that need to be made this morning, Lord, I pray they would be made for your honor and glory. Help us, God, to push out from the shallows and into the deep that you might be able to do with us everything you want to do today, tomorrow, for the rest of our lives is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to join me in standing. The altar's open. We're going to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. I'm the potter, you're the clay. Is that true? If you get him that kind of control to mold you this morning, shape you the way he wants to. We're going to sing. And if God speaks to your heart, you come. I'm here to pray with you if I can. Or These altars are open. Right now as we sing together, you come as God leads.